Welcome back to Political Beatdown with Ben Micellis and Michael Cohen. We have a lot to discuss with you today. The first thing we got to discuss is our co-host, Michael Cohen, making a lot of news on Wednesday, February 8th. Our co-host, Michael Cohen, met with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for the 15th time in connection with their criminal investigation into Donald Trump. A criminal grand jury is currently impaneled in Manhattan as well. Let's see what Michael Cohen will be able to tell us. If anything, I am going to try my darndest to get some information out of him. President Biden gave what I thought was one of the most incredible state of the unions in the history of of our country. One of the best speeches, frankly, I've ever heard. And I want to contrast that and get your take, Cohen, between Biden's speech and the utter buffoonery of the MAGA Republicans. They're (laughs) shouting. You're being being kind when you call them buffoons. An absolute joke. Disrespectful as far as as far as everybody's analysis. It is beyond disrespectful. You know, this was only done once before, but we'll get into it. You know, let me let you finish your little monologue here. (laughs) Speaking of the complete and utter buffoonery that is MAGA, yesterday the MAGA-led House Oversight Committee held a hearing with former Twitter executives, which at the end of the day, all it proved was that it was Donald Trump who consistently used the government to try to get Twitter to take down posts, including posts that hurt his feelings, including that Chrissy Teigen post we will discuss. These committee hearings are really exposing the GOP. And when we talk about these committee hearings, there's one taking place right now. It's the so-called MAGA Republican subcommittee on the weaponization of the Justice Department. And I'm sure it's going to suffer the same fate as all these other ill-fated committee hearings that these MAGA Republicans are doing. It's just going to show that it's Donald Trump and Bill Barr and others who weaponized the Department of Justice and the FBI and used it to attack people like our co-host, Michael Cohen. And finally, I want to touch on special counsel Jack Smith and how Smith's team of lawyers and a group of FBI agents recently questioned the former acting Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf, which is a big development in the investigation there. Michael Cohen, welcome to the political beat down. Again, I love co-hosting this with you. And I know you've been thinking about you know, the political beatdown's been making waves. It was featured in a lot of news networks. The community of political beatdown watchers is growing. I, I know you've been thinking about the community aspect. Yeah. So one of the things that I constantly refer to all of you as, which is our political beatdown family, and you are, but I don't think it adequately describes who we are as a group and what we're trying to accomplish. And so on my Twitter account, I went ahead and I put out, help me to find a name. Because some of you are really much brighter than I am, especially much more creative than I am at doing this. And I offered a signed copy of my book, Revenge, to the person who I, I, I like their ideas. And so there's a guy by the name of Jeff, and he's at Beastquake. And Jeff came up with the name, and I hope you all like it. It's going to be called the Beatdown Brigade. I love the name. I think that's exactly what we are. We are a brigade. We are a group of people working together to accomplish something. We are trying to accomplish the preservation of democracy, holding those accountable, accountable, ensuring that the Department of Justice remains you know, um, unscathed despite the fact of everything that's going on. And yes, we will talk about the weaponization subcommittee that's currently right now meeting uh, in Washington, D.C. There's so much to talk about. I hope everybody likes it. I also think it's great because we can come up with some interesting logos for the beatdown brigade, but that's who we are. 
We are not just a family, but we're a brigade. We're there working together to accomplish something. So I thought the name was absolutely perfect. Again, I hope everybody enjoys it. And when we're talking about what the beatdown brigade does, it's beating down the lies, right? It's beating down the disinformation, the fascism. It's funny. There was one person who commented. They said, Cohen and Mycellus are so ahead of the news. That's why the last stream that we did glitched for a moment and we had to start a new stream. They're so ahead of the news that the news had to catch up with them. And I think (laughs) one of the best examples of that is the breaking news that we reported here first on our Tuesday edition of the Political Beatdown, where you announced here exclusively that you would be speaking with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for the 15th time in connection with their criminal investigation. Now, I know there is very little that you are allowed to discuss because that's just the reality of ongoing criminal investigations. But is there any additional flavor that you can give us now that that meeting took place, whether it's your confidence about the people in the room, the amount of people in the room, perhaps the uh, differences in terms of maybe without getting into specifics, tone and feeling from the last time you spoke, the 14th time, do you think that there's going to be more of these? What, if anything, can you share with us, Michael Cohen? So I can share that I am going to be returning again for the 16th time uh, next week. Uh, I don't want to give out any of the specifics in terms of the day and the time, but at this point in time, I am expected to come back. You know, there's a lot of comments flying around media right now about Alvin Bragg, and a lot of it has to do with Mark Pomerantz's new book that's coming out, People versus Donald Trump. And while I agree with Mark Pomerantz. I stated so as I was entering the building at 80 80 Center Street, one of the things, or 60 Center Street, one of the things that I had said is I do believe that Donald Trump committed a crime, and I believe that Mark Pomerantz was correct over a year ago, around the time of his and Carrie Dunn, uh, their resignation from the district attorney's office, that there could have been an indictment and a prosecution of Donald Trump. Now, one of the things I also agree with Mark Pomerantz is there is no case that is a slam dunk. And while some seem more obvious than others, no case is a 100% slam dunk. And so the notion that a prosecutor will only take on cases, especially one of high-profile individuals, in this case, the former person, the former attorney, uh, I'm sorry, the former president uh, to the United States with a witness who was the former personal attorney to that individual. I could understand their trepidation. I could understand them wanting to take it slow. While I still think that that case could have been brought, they're not supposed to be looking at whether or not a conviction is eminent or guaranteed because once again, no case is 100%. And they could have brought it, and I believe personally that a conviction would have been attained. Now, Alvin Bragg, to be fair to him, had just come into the game, and it was seven weeks in when he decided that they were going to put the brakes on this thing and reevaluate the work product that was done and look more deeply at the case. Fine. You know, everybody's using these transportation, air, you know, air transportation analogies. That they put the brakes on on the plane, it wasn't ready for takeoff, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to stay in that genre and say to you that the plane is on the tarmac, and at the same time that that plane is ready for departure. I will also turn around and say that like planes that are delayed, right, uh, or even ones that are canceled, ultimately you get back onto another plane and you ultimately arrive at a destination. And I believe that the destination is coming. And I do believe that Alvin Bragg and his team, they are extremely, extremely prepared. They are incredibly knowledgeable and they are actively reviewing all of the information. And there's a lot of information here for them to review in order to make their assessment. But I do believe personally that 
we will arrive at the destination if you understand the metaphor. One may say they're ready to go, that you feel ready to go. <laughs> Can I get you <laughs> peanuts, popcorn, soda pop? <laughs> um, and, and you are, and you've said this before, but to the new uh, beatdown brigaders uh, watching this, you felt very confident, though, in Pomerantz and Dunn in how they were pursuing it. That's why you were, uh, to say, apoplectic when they left would be uh, an understatement. Um, but you now, with this new team that you've met with, you have the same level of confidence today that you did with the Pomerantz and Dunn team. Is that accurate? Uh, semi. So remember, prior to meeting with Bragg's team, I had met 13 times with the previous team, three times while I was at Otisville, 10 times after I was released, uh, and now uh, two times with this new team. Let me say that I was exceptionally comfortable and um, confident in Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn. Uh, their professionalism was extraordinary, and so was the rest of their team. In the two visits that I've had now with the Alvin Bragg-run team, let me also say that I feel, and I am getting to the same place, but I feel very confident they are exceptionally, exceptionally talented prosecutors. They are incredibly adept at um, litigation and certainly the art of trial. And more importantly, they are extremely knowledgeable about all of the facts and circumstances surrounding the issues. They've also, which impressed me a lot, they are also up to speed. Um, I should say almost, almost up to speed with the vast amount of information that they took over from the previous investigation. But I do feel extremely comfortable with them. And I am almost at the same point of comfort that I was with Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn, two exceptional, exceptional lawyers, two exceptional prosecutors, and um, two exceptional individuals. I think that they have a grasp of knowledge on the vast amount of information is a very important point there. I think for those just tuning in, I thought you broke some very important news as well, that not only uh, were you there for the 15th appearance, you will be going back for a 16th appearance. Um, and certainly, I'm not putting words in your mouth, I'm just giving my own personal observations as a lawyer who has dealt with these things before. Usually when the meetings start getting quicker and quicker and closer and closer, that's usually right. a sign that things are starting to right. move in a certain direction, although you could extrapolate a lot of different things from data. But if I was hosting my legal show uh, with, without you, Cohen, that's the analysis that I would be giving there, and I probably will give on legal AF. But you know, before we before we go before we move on, you know, one of the comments that constantly pops up, uh, not just here from our uh, beatdown brigade, but from many people, is I'm tired of waiting. All right. Well, while I understand your, you know anxiousness in terms of getting an indictment and a prosecution and hopefully a conviction, especially if you're the prosecutors. I understand how you feel. And trust me, nobody understands that better than I. But very much like when your plane is delayed or canceled, do you start to walk? Do you say, fuck it, I'm not going to where I intended <laughs> to go? The answer to that is no. You know what you do? You sit your ass down in the chair and you wait. Sometimes, you know what else you have to do? You sleep in the airport or you go home and you come back the next day. That's what's been happening. But ultimately, if your decision is you want to end up at the final destination, well, you come back and then you sit and you wait again. And then you board the aircraft and you wait for the pilot, you know, to 
taxi onto the runway, and then you take off, and X number of hours later, you end up at your destination. We have to use the same metaphor when we're talking about this specific case. Me personally, while I wish that they would have done this a year ago, like you, I wish that they would have indicted pursuant to Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn's belief. They didn't. And so I could do one of two things. I could continue to criticize the current, um, you know, brag office, or I could continue to cooperate with them in hopes that they reach the destination that I believe is valid and justified. And I want to make it crystal clear to people, especially to the trolls that are out there. Let me be very clear. I do not want to see Donald Trump indicted, prosecuted, convicted, incarcerated, simply because I despise virtually everything that comes out of his mouth, that I fundamentally disagree with him on almost everything that he does and says, okay? I want to see him indicted, prosecuted, convicted, and possibly incarcerated or placed on home confinement because he committed a crime. This is not a retribution thing. This is holding him accountable. This is ensuring that our democracy continues. It's making sure that whether you're rich or you're poor, justice is equal to each and every one of us, and that he too must be held accountable for his dirty deeds. Because if we're going to continue the adage that no one is above the law, well, this is what needs to be done. So I'm willing to sit back and wait, as I have, and I hope that you'll show the same patience and res, you know, and reserve that I am. Well, that gives me comfort. And I think it should give uh, the beatdown brigade, the Midas Mighty, the legal AFers. We're going to have all these, uh, have all these names and all this great, all, all these great names. But I think it gives them a good deal of comfort as well to hear that from you, because if anyone should be pissed off using your metaphor that the plane didn't take off. It should be you because not only uh, in the past is the plane not taken off for you in the right direction, um, but you know you've been taken in a plane to. Uh, I could take this really far, you know, to 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 basically to Siberia, you no, know. I've and you had taken, and, no, Ben. Ben, I've been taken to hell. I you actually had to fight know your way what back. hell. I know what hell looks like. I've been there. You know, people don't realize what 51 days of solitary confinement can do to you. People don't realize what happens when you're not with your family simply because of another man's dirty deeds. And, you know, all of this is ultimately coming out, whether it's the disgraceful behavior, the unethical, illegal behavior of Jeffrey Berman, who was the former head of the Southern District of New York, the Southern District of New York prosecutorial team, most of whom are not even there anymore. They're all now at these, you know, um, massive white shoe, uh, you know, law firms, uh, like, you know, making seven figures all in their bio. The very first paragraph successfully prosecuted biggest 21st century case of U.S. versus Cohen. Let me be very clear to my to my beatdown brigade. I was not prosecuted. I was not convicted. I pled to a one page information that was stuck into my face like a hostage video in 48 hours if you don't plead guilty with filing an 80-page indictment that's going to include your wife. And I dare anybody out there to say that you would not do the same to protect your loved ones. So it would have been much easier for me to keep my mouth shut. Chances are the orange-crusted Mandarin Mussolini would have given me a pardon, but I don't want it. I never wanted it from him, and I still wouldn't take it from him. I will continue to ensure that our democracy continues forever and ever and ever, and that we will not, together, as the brigade, we will not allow people like Donald Trump and Donald Trump 2.0 to hijack our democracy and to take advantage and to try to impede upon our constitutional rights. I will do everything in my power to ensure that he is held to the same standard of the law, to justice, that you and I are. It's why people including myself, just so admire your courage because you've been to hell and back to support our democracy, to stand up for people, to talk about what you did in the past, but to speak the truth to power to make sure that our democracy survives. And it's something that 
you know, sometimes when, when, when you and I talk, um, you know, I, I am in awe of what you've, what you've been able to do against all odds. And I think it's something that lots of people recognize a lot of more, a lot more people need to recognize. And the Manhattan district attorney's prosecution, what the New York attorney general, uh, was, is doing what Letitia James is doing, what Fawny Willis is even doing, like, like your backbone, your ability to stand up, uh, to Trumpism and to MAGA extremism is really an inspiration and a roadmap, not just for the prosecutions in New York, but for district attorneys across the country uh, to follow. And I think it's a roadmap for democracy. And speaking about roadmaps for... You know, let me just say, if I can just say one more thing, Ben, you know, um, I want to be clear, though. I actually did commit a crime. I committed campaign finance violation. Now, I did so at the direction of and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. I want people to understand, I knew that they were coming after me at a bare minimum of just the campaign finance violation. But the additional charges that were brought against me, if you read Revenge, you'll understand there's no tax evasion, though I had to plead guilty to it. I could not under any circumstances, and I see in the comments, so many of our brigaders would have done the same as I. You protect your loved ones. That's my job on this planet. Everything else is secondary to my wife, my daughter, and my son. And as you may recall, I had said it to George Stephanopoulos, my first loyalty belongs to my wife, my daughter, my son, and my country. And I will not allow history to remember me as the villain of Donald Trump's story. And that's why I fight every single day to, you know, not easy fighting truth to power, especially, I mean, it's not easy fighting Donald Trump when he was just Donald Trump. Now try to figure fighting Donald Trump when he's the president of the United States with a willing and complicit bloviated piece of shit like Bill Barr, who has not yet been, you know, um, called in, who has not been held accountable. Cohen froze for one second, but I think it was because the stream of him talking about the bloviating buffoon idiot that is Bill Barr that would probably make my stream crash as well. Um, when Cohen returns, though, what I really want to talk to him about what is happened? back in action. Wow. All right. So what, <laughs> listen, um, you know, I think what's happening is we got a couple of these MAGA hats who are out there and they're interfering somehow with the system. You know, don't don't underestimate that. No, we got, uh, I was able to fill in the words when you were describing Bill Barr, and I think I nailed it to a T. Uh, but I, I want to move on, though, and talk about the State of the yes. Union. You, you and I were talking about it after. We were talking about it earlier in uh, the morning. Um, and Biden's State of the Union, I thought, was great speech. I thought he hit on some real critical uh, points, I mean, focusing, focused on domestic policy, focused on foreign policy, uh, focusing on our democracy in general, you know, and then he hit these important points too, though, just that, like, I don't know about you, Cohen, but I got all these calls from people who aren't even political um, or text messages and saying like, Ben, I, I, how is anybody against that? Or, you know, I really wasn't paying attention, you know, to the news all that much, but everything he's saying says so much sense. And I'm like, yeah, you should be watching the Midas Touch Network. You should be listening to Maya Culpa. You should be listening to political beatdown. You should be you should be listening and, and, and making sure you're well, informed. Well, then they are listening. They are listening to a political beatdown. Right now, my brigaders, we are number 14 on all Apple News podcasts. It is an incredible, incredible number. I mean, don't forget, this is a network that's private. And a lot of it is funded by many of you. We are, we are up there head to head against the major networks, against the major newspapers, against major corporations. And we are number 14 out of God knows, there you go, out of God knows what number. This is, this is the real deal. We're number 124, I think, in all categories. How many tens of millions of podcasts are there out there? And the reason that we are doing so well is thanks to you. And people's, your, undis your decision that you want to hear it raw, unfiltered, you want to know the truth, not these 9, 10, 12-minute sound bites that you're getting, not the misinformation, disinformation, malinformation that's 
put out there by so many networks so that they can basically try to brainwash you to one to one side. I mean, I don't know. We, we can t- and let's just use that as the lead in for the State of the Union. If you watch MSNBC and CNN and then on a separate television, you watch, for example, Fox, you would think that you're talking about two different State of the Union addresses. It is absolutely remarkable that there is no semblance between the two. Nobody turns around and says, hey, Joe Biden is right. He added more jobs to this economy in two years than most presidents do in four, specifically Donald Trump and his administration. In fact, Donald Trump added 25% of our, of our deficit in four years, more than any president. In fact, it's more than most presidents in over 200 years combined. So at the end of the day, if you watch Fox, you're not going to hear anybody talk about how great Joe Biden has done in terms of job creation, in terms of reducing gas prices, in terms of his desire to hold the uber rich. And I'm not talking guys with the millions. I'm talking guys with the Bs, with the billions, where they pay absolutely no tax at all. The corporations pay no tax. Well, he has come up with a plan that will tax them. It's a minimum corporate tax, I think it's like 15%, that will help to balance the budget. It will also help to clear our deficit. If not, what are we doing? We're leaving our children, grandchildren, and God willing, great-grandchildren and so on, with a deficit that they cannot sustain. And that will be the ultimate destruction of this country when we need to go to foreign countries like China, who holds more debt than anybody else of our paper. And then you have Republicans attempting to hijack the debt ceiling. We are all backwards. We are upside down, inside out, and backwards. And that's why we really need strong leadership in Washington, which is why as our brigaders come 2024, rest assured, we together will make sure that only the right people end up winning. I mean, there were so many moments from this where there would be obvious applause lines for every American, right? I mean, there was one moment where uh, McCarthy and the MAGA Republicans refused to applaud for the wealthy and big corporations paying their fair share of taxes. I mean, that's all Biden said. Biden's like, look, I'm a capitalist. I think that people should make money, can make a lot of money. I just think that the billionaire should pay the same taxes as the firefighter. All the Democrats clapped and McCarthy just sat there and did nothing. And you almost watch McCarthy while he's sitting there and you see how uncomfortable he looks because he stands for nothing and he falls for everything because there is no backbone. Here, just play this clip right here. I can tell you. The plan I'm going to show is going to cut the deficit by another $2 trillion. And it won't cut a single bit of Medicare or Social Security. In fact, we're going to extend the Medicare Trust Fund at least two decades, because that's going to be the next argument. How do we make keep it solvent, right? Well, we'll not raise tax on anyone making under 400 grand, but we'll pay for it the way we talked about it, by making sure that the wealthy and big corporations pay their fair share. Look, 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 here, here's the deal. You don't clap when you say that you got to have big corporations pay their fair share. <laughs> that, 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 that seems to be a universal thing. And that theme continued, you know, throughout. I mean, when Biden uh, talked about historic job creation, jobs, 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 basically the same thing. McCarthy, <sighs> Salty, do we have this clip right here of Kevin McCarthy refusing to applaud after Biden uh, was was you know talking about historic job creation. We'll pull that up in a moment. And then what we got to also talk about Cohen is uh, Santos, who was oh right God. there the whole time, and the interactions though that were taking place between Romney and Santos. Um, and and you know when Romney saw Santos there, he was like, "Get out! What are you doing there?" And it just to me. Hold on, let's pull up this other clip, though, of Biden talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. Play the clip, Salty. Folks, the story of America is a story of progress and resilience, of always moving forward, of never, ever giving up. 
is a story unique among all nations. Look how uncomfortable We're the only country that has emerged from every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it. Look, folks, that's what we're doing again. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you all, because of the American people. Two years ago, In two years I don't know I don't know about you bagel Ben but he to me looks like he's got gas and he's really trying to drop an SBD because that face looks like he's in pain and he's in pain over what he's in pain because America is trying to you know be the best that we can be that he's creating jobs that he wants to ensure that middle America and lower middle class individuals aren't, you know, paying for the uber, uber rich so that we can help to one day get rid of the deficit that is strangling our country. And by the way, one of our commenters, our brigaders is absolutely right. I did make a mistake. China is not our biggest um, holder of debt any longer. It's actually now Japan. So I stand corrected. You are right about that at $1.08 trillion. Um, slightly more than, you know, than China. But nevertheless, China is a massive, massive holder of paper of the United States. And we have real problems with China, you know, and it's, it is a real problem. So the fact that McCarthy could not get up and could not applaud the fact that Joe Biden had made this accomplishment, not a democratic accomplishment, not a Joe Biden accomplishment. Listen to the words that Joe Biden said. He is an inclusionary individual. He said, thanks to all of us, thanks to the American people, thanks to the bipartisan cooperation, many of you that are sitting here today, that's a leader, not a guy that wants to turn and say, well, if you didn't vote for me, you know, fuck you, and I'm going to ensure that I'm going to destroy you and everything else, and I'm only going to cater to the class that wants to back my campaign. That's not a leader. That's a grifter. Couldn't agree more with you. And how, speaking about grifters, you've got Santos on the floor of the House chamber as, uh, you know, as all the senators are walking in, like Santos positioned himself with this orange tie to make his presence known. And there was the moment when Romney was walking past him and Romney's like, well, what? you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be embarrassed. Get over there. We got this clip. I want to show it to you. Let's let, let's pull it up, Salty. Those that I'm listening, you have Romney approaching Santos right now. Basically yelling and saying, what are you doing? And Santos says something back to Romney. And Cohen, before getting your reaction, I want to show you, though, what Romney said after uh, the State of the Union uh, to the press. Let's play this clip. You just said you don't belong here. Yeah. Why, why, did, why did you, you say, say that? I didn't expect that he'd be standing there trying to shake hands with every senator <laughs> in the president of the United States. That's, uh, given, given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet instead of... Uh, Parading in front of the uh, president and, uh, and and people coming into the room. Did he so look, respond look, to look, you? Look, look, look. He, he, sa he says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you've got an A when you got an A minus. Lying is saying you you graduated from a college you didn't even attend. And and he shouldn't be in Congress. And uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, but he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. Why did you, you know make him? a point to say that, though? I mean, you went, I mean, it was kind of out of your way to. to well, he was say standing that. right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he may have. I didn't hear. Are anything you disappointed he said. that Kevin McCarthy is not calling him to resign? Yes. Colin, what do you think about that? First of all, Mitt Romney happens to be a good man. 
Um, you know, I've known Mitt Romney for many years. He really is a very decent man. Uh, he stands up for what's right. Now, I don't agree with everything that you know he agrees, but he happens to be genuinely a decent man. He despises the likes of a George Santos. And I loved his analogy. You know, a, a mistake, right? Uh, embellishment is an A to an A minus instead of an A. This guy got an F and he's claiming he got an A plus. He's a valedictorian of his class. He went to a college that he never went to. He played volleyball, um, you know, against other schools that aren't even in the same league. I mean, it's truly amazing. He took money from a veteran who, instead of giving it to save the veteran's dog. I mean, this guy lied about everything, that he's Jewish, that, you know, on top of that, his family have Holocaust survivors. Uh, I mean, what is it that the man did not lie about? I mean, his, from his name all the way down to God knows what. So good for Mitt Romney. It almost reminds me of the scene in the movie Step Brothers, right, when he said, I just want to punch you in the face, right? You know, and he goes, there's just something, right? He goes, anything I can do? He goes, no, no. You know, I just want to punch you in the face. It, his Santos's face just sort of, it just makes you want to like slap him or just <laughs> do something because there's something so wrong about everything about this guy. From standing at the aisle to shake Biden's hand, Mitt Romney is 100% correct when he said he should not be there. And in fact, Mitt Romney saying to him, you should go sit somewhere else where nobody can see you. And I want to make uh, two points there, though. One, though, is about the media. You know, and when the media asked Romney, why did you make a point to say that to them or say that to him? And Romney goes, because he was standing right there. I think that kind of sums up the media, though, right? Because there are so many things there are so many lies. There's so much disinformation. There's so much disturbing things that MAGA Republicans that are just right there in front of the media's eyes, and they do nothing about it. In fact, they help people like George Santos, and they help people like Kevin McCarthy. They help people like Ron DeSantis. They help people like Donald Trump rather than when it's staring them in the eyes, just calling them out and saying, here is the issue. You need to sit over there. Call out these traitors. Call them to their face. Call them out who they are. That is your job media. So the fact that the media go, well, why did you confront him? And Rami's like, because he's standing right there. That's why. Look, at some point in time, Ben, you know, everybody has to be held accountable. And the fact that George Santos is not only not being held accountable by Republicans, by members of Congress, he's actually sticking it in everyone's face, walking around, loving the attention of the cameras on top of him, loving watching Manu Raju chasing him around the Capitol, you know, asking him, you know, do you, don't, do you have no shame, sir? Do you have no shame? And the answer is, why are you asking a rhetorical question, Manu, right? Of course he has no shame. The guy is a freaking liar to the nth degree. He doesn't care that he lied. He doesn't care that based on the lies, he managed to get elected and shame on the Democrats for not doing the most minutia, my, just the, the most minute amount of investigatory work when doing their opposition research on him, because that would have clearly come up, the fact that he did not go to that school, that his parents are not Jewish and yada, yada, right? I mean, it would have taken no time at all in order to, you know, to acquire this information, not a skilled investigator, just anybody with Google. So shame on us as Democrats for not doing our homework. And this is what you get. And shame on the Republicans for not admonishing him. And speaking of admonishments, you know, Many years ago when um, President Barack Obama was doing a State of the Union address, and it was in his second term, there was a member of Congress by the name of Joe Wilson, I believe, who stood up and he said something also to the extent calling um, Obama a liar or something to that extent. 
at which point in time he was admonished by Congress. Republicans and Democrats alike admonished him. And good for them for standing up for what's right. We are not England. This is not parliament where you get up and you heckle the next guy. We have our own rules. We have our own code of conduct. And what Marjorie Taylor Greene did, what Lauren Boebert did, what Ted Cruz did, what Johnson did, what a whole group of them um, did during that State of the Union address, it's not just an embarrassment to them individually. It's not just an embarrassment to the Republican Party. It's an embarrassment to America in front of the whole world. I guarantee you, other countries are playing these clips all over, laughing at us. All right. And if we want to be you know, held to the highest level in the eyes of the world, which I suspect that we do, or at least we should, how do we allow these ass clowns to do what they're doing and get away with it with no repercussion? So since there's no repercussion, what do you think happens at the next State of the Union? It's going to get worse. Marjorie Taylor Greene wanted to walk in with a balloon, with a big white balloon, thinking that it's funny about the Chinese weather balloon or whatever that balloon was that was flying over America. She's clearly deranged. And she needs to go, along with Santos and so many others. And not because they're Republicans. Replace them with Republicans for all I care. But just ones that are sane. Ones that care more about the country than their three, four, five minutes on Newsmax, OAN, or Fox. But Cohen, are, are there any sane Republicans? I could show the image of Romney walking past Santos as the image of what the Republican Party may once have been, walking by as the new Republican Party of Santos and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are standing right there. I think they're very emblematic of who the Republican Party is. They're a bunch of liars. I mean, you want to just take the State of the Union address when Biden said, look, these Republicans who are here, they want to cut your Social Security. They want to take away your Medicare. They have a plan to do that, to make sure it all sunsets. And all these MAGA Republican senators and members of Congress go around to their base and they give speeches that are recorded about them saying things that they want to cut Social Security and they want to take away your Medicare. They, they, they've said it as recent as the past few weeks. I mean, heck, Ron Johnson said it today um, on, on a radio interview. And then when Biden, here's the script. This is from a radio interview as we are speaking Cohen, this took place. Um, and the interviewer says, one of the few bipartisan applause lines of Tuesday night was related to the notion that both sides should agree not to touch Social Security and Medicare. By the way, that's not true. The When Biden said it, the MAGA Republicans booed because they, they, they claimed that they were supporting it when they weren't supporting it. And then the interviewer goes, I get the reflexive political applause to that idea, but these entitlement programs do need reforms. They don't have to be cuts, but they need reforms and we need to do serious adult. We need serious adults in Washington, D.C. who are willing to take on the challenge and do the work instead of engaging in this political arson against each side when it's even mentioned. Would you agree with that? Ron Johnson, MAGA Republican. Yes, that's what I've talked about from the first time I ran in 2010. I just laid out the reality of Social Security. It's a legal Ponzi scheme. It is. It's a pay-as-you-go system. I mean, calling Social Security a Ponzi scheme, something that is criminal and illegal, is not saying that they're supportive of Social Security. And that just happened right now. And then you look to, okay, as, as Romney's going that direction, as MAGA Republicans are represented by Santos and Boebert um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gomer and Gosar, I mean, you can't really name a single normal, you know, MAGA Republican. And this is why, here, this is what uh, Donald Trump, the cult leader of the MAGA Republican Party, this is what he's been doing in the past like 12 to 24 hours. So here's a post that he made where he's reposting this account on his social media platform, Lara with three stars and CSM master, whatever this is. Like this is a photo that he's posting of himself, like some cartoonish photo of him on an American flag uh, uh, with the with the eagles behind him, American flag tank, big flag energy. It's some like this is some really weird and sick stuff. Here, let's pull up this other one that he did. He reposted this from 
someone named Coco Beans that says clowns have infiltrated every system around the globe. Trump is a master communicator, leads them around by the nose and then shines light. The storm is brewing. Expect huge waves and you just spelled Y-U-G-E. Gonna be biblical. Seek shelter if in harm's way. Then there's this creepy photo of Trump that says, fate whispers to Trump. You cannot withstand the storm. Trump whispers back, I am the storm. That's a QAnon meme. That's a meme of a death cult that he is posting on his social media platform. And he is the leader of the Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party, which it is today. That's what's going on. And they don't call that out. And frankly, the large media networks don't point that out. And as I've always said, Cohen, if Biden, for all of the things we've said about him on the show today, if he did one QAnon post, just one, even with all of the accomplishments that he did, um, and I confirm that he actually did it, or any Democratic leader, they did one QAnon post, and they really did it, I'd stop supporting them because you have to have standards. If you're willing to do that, you're there. there is no bottom. So even for all the great that Biden's accomplished, I would say you're out. We should impeach him if he's doing QAnon memes. Yet for the MAGA Republican Party, they don't just tolerate death cult behavior. They're led by it. But then again, again, Ben, we're referring to the MAGA group. And the MAGA group is not the Republican Party. That's the point on top of everything else, despite making the Democratic Party bigger, better, stronger, so that our values, our wishes and wants are heard you know, by Washington and effectuated by members of Congress and the president. There are Republicans that do not agree with Trumpism. There are Republicans that are not part of the MAGA cult. These people are easier to work with. This is why that there has been, as Joe Biden stated, 300 bills signed so far to date in just two years that are bipartisan. It's a record number, 300. And that's, again, according to the president and the State of the Union um, address. So there are actually good Republicans. And again, it's whether you agree with six out of the 12 things that they stand for or two out of the 12 things that they stand for. But it doesn't matter as long as that they're sane. This group of AR-15 wearing lapel pin dopes, these people do not belong in our house. They do not They do not stand for American value. They do not stand for the Constitution. They stand for autocracy. And if they had it their way, we'd all be living in Gilead under their rule. That's what they want. You know, I I still struggle to find who the, you know, who these normal MAGA Republicans are. Because even when I think, okay, Larry Hogan, and then he makes some statement like, well, if Donald Trump was our nominee, I'd support him. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm struggling to find him. I think the party has been taken over um, by MAGA Republicans. Um, I think it's very unfortunate. I think uh, to the extent there are normal Republicans, they have allowed that themselves to be co-opted they could have taken a powerful stand against the craziness. Um, And frankly, Kevin McCarthy could have. Kevin McCarthy would have had far more power and his, what will definitely be his short tenure, would be far less humiliating. He could have actually been a strong speaker because all he would have needed to have done is pull over 10 or 15 Democrats um, come up with a plan to actually solve the nation's problems. And I think a lot would be accomplished. And Kevin McCarthy could be viewed in history as someone who did the right thing. Instead, rather than playing to the center of the United States of America, instead of listening to what was actually occurring in the midterms where people were saying, we want normalcy, he went in the opposite direction. And rather than appeal to the center, an appeal to most Americans. 
you know, and, and by the way, concepts that I think are, are, you know, I say the center, but we're talking about concepts that should be universal at the end of the day, like healthcare and jobs and infrastructure and uh, protecting our veterans and making sure uh, a woman has control over her body. I mean, you know, go on and on and on. But instead, he played to Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. And now you see these committee hearings that we talked about on the show. And so I do want to talk about the- You know, and the- worse, what you also see, Ben, is you see the decent um, Republicans basically getting voted out, which is yep. very scary. One of our um, brigaders uh, made a mention in a comment, which I totally agree with, that uh, MAGA is taking over the Republican Party. I don't believe that they're there yet. But when you see people like Adam Kinzinger, um, who is a veteran and who is a, you know, a man of principle getting tossed out simply because he wasn't MAGA enough, that's the time that we need to really stand up. That's the time that you know, our, our supporters, um, you know, our brigaders, that we all need to start bringing more people into the political beatdown, into the Midas, into the mea culpa world, so that they understand and that they stay properly informed all the time. And that as a group, we are a significant voting block to ensure that people like the Marjorie Taylor Greens, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz's, the, you know, Lauren Boebert's, I mean, we can go on and on with the same names over and over and over that they end up getting kicked out of Congress. Because the, when I watch these, these individuals walking around and that they wear the congressional pin, whether it's around their neck or on their lapels, it, it really burns me up because you know, I worked, I worked in the Congress. I worked for Congressman Joe Moakley in 1987 and 88 while I was in college in Washington, D.C. And I tell you, I love that building and I love working with everyone, Republicans and Democrats alike. And I can tell you, the group of people that were there in those days are very different than the group that are, you know, in Congress today. And we need to fight. That's all I can say. We need to be a voting block. We need to be a force that is going to be reckoned with. We need to hold people to accountability. And I can go on and on, but I'm going to go on with you, Ben, to our next topic. I want to talk about, though, and this has got to be near and dear to you, where the MAGA Republicans created this subcommittee about the weaponization of the Justice Department. And they're saying the Biden Justice Department has been weaponized against right-wing people. Um, Strangely, a lot of the things they cite, though, without any sense of irony, are people that Donald Trump appointed, like Christopher Wray and things that took place before January 6th. The mega Republicans don't seem to realize who the government was um, before January 6th and before Biden took office. Um, But you know, don't you think the result is going to be similar to what we saw with these, you know, these Twitter hearings where they're trying to say, oh, look, the Twitter's been weaponized by Democrats. But at the end of the day, it hasn't. It's all based on these Reddit or 4chan conspiracy theories that these MAGA Republicans try to play out. But when they actually have to speak in committee hearings, what I love about the committee hearings is that they're live. They're not like Fox sound bites. So you can't just get the two minutes of them getting kind of the softball question from Fox that they could say. And you really see just the difference of intelligence and truth on the one hand with the Democrats on the committee and the idiocracy, fascism, conspiracy theories, weirdness. You see it really play out in these committee hearings. So a total backfire. I think, for the MAGA Republicans. Be careful what you ask for. You want these committees. Essentially, the Democrats are using the committees now to show with these witnesses that it was Trump who engaged in all of it. It, They're like gimmies for the Democrats. It's really incredible. What do you make of this weaponization hearing, though, which is taking place right now, Um, the so-called weaponization hearing? That's what the uh, MAGA Republicans are calling it. So this is an interesting scenario. Obviously, if you look at the title of my book, Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the United States Department of Justice Against His Critics, 
it's almost like a foreshadow to what's going on. Now, Jim Jordan is leading this committee and, you know, it is a bipartisan committee. So I was having a conversation with one of my lawyers, Jeff Levine, who by coincidence is a friend of mine for literally 40 years. And he was with me the day that I was unconstitutionally remanded. So one of the things that we did is we drafted out a two-page document and then sent a whole slew of attachments. We sent it on the day that this subcommittee was, was formed. We sent it to Jim Jordan. We sent it to every single member of that committee, Republican and Democrat alike, saying, I believe that you, like us, want to see bipartisan review of the weaponization of the Department of Justice because our Justice Department has taken a massive beating in terms of public belief in their, you know, in in who they are and what they stand for. So we sent them all this document stating that if it's really to be a bipartisan fair committee that is attempting to get to the bottom of an issue, well, how about start with the case of United States versus Michael Cohen? And here are some documents in order to demonstrate how Donald Trump, with the usage of Bill Barr, weaponized the Department of Justice to unconstitutionally remand me because I refused to waive my First Amendment constitutional right, making me the first political prisoner in my own country. If not, what does that mean? That means that this is not a real committee, that this is a Mickey Mouse, it's a kangaroo committee that's simply established in order to go after Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Dr. Fauci, and whoever the critic is that they feel that they need to go after. And this is really problematic. We will find out what happens because I do know that every single one of these members have a copy of that letter with the attachments. So stay tuned, stay tuned, because as soon as I find out anything, we will be reporting it live first right here, right, on political beatdown, exactly what happens and exactly their response. If they ignore it, we know where they stand. If they dismiss it, we know where they stand. If they accept it and they want to have a bipartisan hearing, no problem. Now we also know where they stand. And my hope is that Jim Jordan actually does want to have um, the restoration of the image of the Department of Justice. I really do hope that the committee is established for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. And again, I'm not confident in it, but it is my hope. And we will find out based upon how they elect to handle the weaponization of Michael Cohen. Well, I think that to have any confidence in uh, Jim Jordan or anything would be misplaced to say the least. Hope springs eternal. I am very confident, though, that it's going to be an utter and complete fascist clown show. You're going to have Jim Jordan pointing all around with his conspiracy theories, acting like a complete and utter moron. And I think all you're going to show is that who is weaponizing government or people like Jim Jordan or people like Matt Gates, And these are the people who want to turn our democracy into a Russian style authoritarian oligarchy. That is their goal um, through their disinformation, through all their authoritarian tactics. And that is why we will call it out and continue to call it out here on the political beatdown with Cohen and Mycelis. I'm being told, Cohen, that in terms of the Jack Smith, we're going to save that one for the Midas Touch podcast as we're coming up on an hour on this show so everybody can check out the Midas Touch Brother podcast to hear about special counsel Jack Smith and more on that. But Cohen, some more breaking news from you on this show. I'm so thrilled to be doing this number 14th in the nation. Um, really, I just have so much fun doing this with you, Cohen. It's a dream come true. Want to thank you. Want to thank everybody out there. A special shout out to the Midas Mighty. Check out Cohen's book, Revenge. It's out right now. 
Um, it's an incredible, incredible book, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics, Revenge the Book by Michael Cohen. Um, and also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including uh, the Mea Culpa podcast shirts at the Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility. You'll occasionally <laughs> see Michael Cohen wearing those shirts when you see him in New York City. That's store.midastouch.com. And in addition to uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel here, subscribe to the audio. Let's get this to become the number one audio podcast in the country, in the world. So we just hit close. subscribe, search. We Search Political Beatdown now, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Let's get that number 14 to number one. And also check out Cohen's podcast, his other podcast, which is incredible, Mea Culpa, Nothing But the Truth. That's where Cohen goes one-on-one -on -one with a number of guests. It's through Audio Up. They do a great job. And the Midas Touch Network. Check out Mea Culpa. Make sure you subscribe there as well. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. Thank you to the Beatdown Brigade. <laughs> Thank you to the Beatdown Brigade. Stay safe, my friends, all right? And we will see you in a couple of days.